So now let's turn our attention to God's Word. In, in Jonah, we've been going through this, uh, a series in Jonah that I'm enjoying. I don't know about you, but I am enjoying it. Jonah chapter 1, starting in verse 17. The author says, The Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Chapter 2, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. I called to the Lord in my distress, and he answered me. I cried out for help from deep inside. Sheol, you heard my voice. When you threw me into the depths, into the heart of the seas, the current overcame me. All your breakers and your billows swept over me. And I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. The water engulfed me up to the neck. The watery depths overcame me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. I sank to the foundations of the mountains. The earth's gates shut behind me forever. Then you raised my life from the pit, Lord my God. As my life was fading away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you, to your holy temple. Those who cherish worthless idols abandon their faithful love. But as for me, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. I will fulfill what I have vowed. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Then the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Before going further, let's pray. Father in heaven. You take notice of all that we are doing here this morning, the singing, the greeting, the preaching, the praying, everything you take notice of. And my prayer is that you would be honored and glorified. Speak to us through your word. Make our hearts sensitive and where we are hard hearted where our ears are closed and our eyes shut, Lord God, I pray by your spirit that you would soften hearts, open ears, and open eyes. Through the proclamation of your word, I pray. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Elie Wiesel was a man who lost his family during the Holocaust, but he didn't lose his faith. He saw the destruction and the terror of the Holocaust, and it even impacted him as a Jew, losing his family, but he did not lose his faith. This man said these words. He says, when a person doesn't have gratitude, when a person doesn't have gratitude, something is missing in his or her humanity. When a person doesn't have gratitude, something is missing in his or her humanity. So this morning, I want to ask each of us, is there something for which we could be thankful for? Is there something in our lives for which we could be thankful for? A friend of mine uh, a few years ago 
challenged me to, to find five things daily that I could celebrate and be thankful for. And for a while, I have been implementing that at the same time every day. It's an alert that comes to my phone that reminds me, no matter what the day has been like before this, that I could stop and reflect on, is there something for me to be thankful for? And I offer it in prayer to God. And I begin my day. I, I, I never, and, and they vary throughout the day, but I was reflecting and thinking that I pray often, Lord, Thank you that I could taste my food. That may seem irrelevant. But to me, this matters. Why? Because there was a plate of food before me. And the only reason I have that plate of food is because he provided. Not only that, I recognize that there are some people that I see daily who are begging on the side of the road because they don't have food. I'm willing to bet some of you, some of, like I, I was impacted by COVID. I had it at one time and I, I, I knew some people had it and they said, I can't taste anything. That they're eating something that they can't even, they don't, it's just like stuff going down their throats. And I had to think about it, man, what gift God has given to us to have taste buds that work that he supplies funds for us, no matter how much or how little, but we have some funds to be able to go to the store and buy food and make a plate of food that's before us. Other prayers, I pray. When my wife leaves the house on a particular day, God, thank you. And when she comes home, Lord, thank you that she has returned home that you protected her. Why is this important? We all see and know of stories of people who left the house at a particular time. And I'm particularly thinking about an NBA coach who loves the Lord named Monty Williams a few years ago when he was the coach in, I think, in New Orleans. I think that's where he was. But he left, her, him and his wife, they interacted that morning. She left the house and he gets a call that stated your wife has died in a car accident. And so when my wife comes home, Lord, thank you that not only did you protect her to her destination, but you protected her, bringing her back home. Again, I don't take that lightly. Again, all of us today, God has allowed us to come here, but who knows if we're going to make it home. So, God, I thank you. And then I was reminded of the old seasoned saints. I'm not going to call them old. I'm going to say seasoned. Of my home church growing up in Alabama, as I look at my family, hearing from my son and my daughter, seeing my wife, my, my, our parents, and I'm just thankful that today we had an opportunity to open our eyes because as these seasoned saints would say, I'm here, I'm not dead and gone, I'm in the land of the living. I'm only mentioning this, friends, because I want to ask you again, is there something for which you could be thankful or do we just take everything that we have, all that we are, for granted? 
We are taking our time going through this wonderful book, the book of Jonah. And so far we've seen in this book, Jonah run from God because he's angry. <laughs> God, I don't want no dealings with you because you are trying to offer forgiveness to a people I hate. Therefore, I'm chucking deuces. Oh, forgive me. That means I'm leaving. I'm leaving, and I'm going to go as far west as I can away from God and his temple. <laughs> then we would see God, because he would not give up on Jonah, even though Jonah is temporarily giving up on God, God hurling a storm onto the sea, not to hurt Jonah, but to awaken Jonah to, you're not going to win this battle, Jonah. I called you to do something. I commanded you to do something. We've seen Jonah interact with these pagan sailors who don't know God, but Jonah, even in the midst of his running, he, he is able to speak of the true God, Yahweh. And now these pagan sailors who are looking at their little G-gods now see the true God who created the sea and the dry land. And the Bible says they worshiped. Now, as we look at Jonah, we do not need to look down our noses at Jonah because it's easy for us to judge like that, right? We read the Bible. I don't know if you guys do it, but you read the Bible and you see someone like, man, why in the world would they do something that dumb? And so we're thinking that we would do something different. But the truth is we would not do differently. We would be exactly what that person is doing. And so we're looking at Jonah and be like, why would you run, Jonah? Like, where are you going? How are you going to run from? How are you going to run from a God who created the water? You're going to run from him on water. Doesn't make sense. But Jonah, see what's taking place in his heart because all of us, I believe, if we look under the hood of our lives, Noticing what's going on or looking at our hearts and looking in that deep, dark corner where there's cobwebs. Nobody goes into that corner. Don't bring that up because when you mess with that place in my life, I'm going to get angry because there is something there that I want to hold on to and I don't need God messing with it. Maybe it's just like Jonah hating a certain people. This country knows that quite well. Hating a people, don't, don't make me love them because they have done some atrocious things to me and my people. And you're going to call me to love them, God? I'm leaving. If we're honest, we're like Jonah in many ways. It may not be that situation, but we're like him. So today we're going to be in Jonah chapter 1, verse 17 to chapter 2, verse 10. And we're coming to the part of the text that we would celebrate and we've been taught ever since the felt boards of Sunday school, for those of us old enough to know about them felt boards. We're coming to that part of the text where Jonah is swallowed by a big fish. Maybe you grew up and there was a whale on every felt board. A big fish. We've come to that part of the text and we have stated since the beginning of this, this series that this, this book is not about a fish. It's not about a fish. 
Because if you notice, the fish is only mentioned in three verses out of all the verses you have. It's in, the fish is only mentioned in verse 17 of chapter 1, chapter 2, verse 1, and chapter 2, verse 10. So the fish is barely mentioned. This story is about Jonah's psalm of thanksgiving as a result of being rescued by the fish. This is a psalm of thanksgiving. If you read closely, this psalm sort of mirrors a lot of the other thanksgiving psalms in the book of Psalms. So this is Jonah's psalm of thanksgiving. Therefore, our main point for this morning is this. We should praise and thank God in any circumstance. I'm going to repeat myself. We should praise audible. We should praise and thank God when, not when things are going well. We do it when things are going well and when things are terrible. We praise him in any circumstance. James says it this way in James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. He says, consider it a joy, my brothers and sisters, Whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Friends, how hard is it for us to give thanks in the midst of difficult circumstances? Russell, you mean to tell me that I am to be thankful when I am diagnosed with a terminal disease. Is that what you're telling me, Russell? Russell, are you telling me that I should give thanks when I lose my job? Should I really, do I have the capacity to do those things? But friends, if we slow down a little bit, and, 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 and look at our lives, no matter how hard things are, there's always a reason to rejoice and give thanks. As a matter of fact, I, I would challenge you to go read 2 Corinthians and look at my man, the Apostle Paul. Now, Paul would lay out, I want to say around chapter 11 or 12, and he lays out, he says, yeah, yeah, I done went through some things. Might have been shipwrecked, I'd have been left for dead. And he just runs off a litany of problems. But you would then see in Paul a posture of, but I'm praising the name. Read the book of Philippians. <laughs> Philippians is a book of joy. But you know what Paul was going through when he wrote that book? The dude is in prison. He's tied to a Roman soldier and he would say, rejoice in the Lord always. <laughs> I would say it again, rejoice, right? Even in the midst of most calamitous situations, he would have joy. As a matter of fact, Jesus, the Bible says in Hebrews that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. There is joy. It's pain, right? It is painful. I'm not... Um, uh, alleviate or, or removing the fact that it is painful, but even in the midst of pain, we see in Paul and Jesus that there is reasons, there are reasons to have joy. And this shows us that even when we are hurting, even when life is not going as we think it should, we could rejoice. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us this, that God will never leave us nor what? Forsake us. This means that in the midst of my trouble, he's near. 
He does not move away from me when things get tough, but he draws near to me. Paul says it this way, listen to it, in Romans 8, 38 and 39, because of God's love, he says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So in this chapter, Jonah is cramped into the stomach of a big fish. He, he offers thanksgiving and praise to God because God has rescued him through a fish. <laughs> through a fish. And he determines that he is going to Obey God no matter what, but notice what is absent in this section. Jonah never apologizes and he never confesses his sin. That's important. But God responded to the praise that he gave by commanding the fish to vomit him onto dry land. So here are two things, and I want you to listen to this, two things I want us to Glean, And there was so much more to glean, but there are two things I want to point out. First, the fish is the means by which Jonah is delivered. The fish is the means by which Jonah is delivered. And the second thing I want us to look at as we look at Jesus and Jonah is what Jesus will refer to as the sign of Jonah. Being in the belly of the fish three days, and three nights. So let's begin. The fish is the means by which Jonah is delivered from death. Verse 17, the author says of chapter 1, the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then in chapter 2, verse 10, he writes, the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. The text informs us that the Lord appointed a great fish. <laughs> the Lord appointed. Jonah's flight earlier in chapter 1, his flight was blocked by divine intervention. What did God do? He threw a storm onto the sea. Divine intervention. Now we have divine intervention once more. See the fact that God is the one who, create, who controls nature. So he get, takes wind, uses wind on the sea. Now, with an animal in the sea, he commands and he appoints a fish for Jonah. This lets me know that even the animal world, when God decides to flex, the animal world will obey where we who are made in this image will reject. God sends a storm. He sends a fish. He could use wind. This lets me know that nature always stands at attention to be used whenever God decides. So the fish was Jonah's lifeboat. <laughs> the fish was Jonah's lifeboat. It was the means by which Jonah was allowed to survive for three days and three nights. And he survived this amount of time in the belly of the fish. Now, again, in my mind, I'm trying to imagine this scene. 
I'm trying to imagine the scene. I don't know how big this fish was, but this is a whole human in a belly. There is no ventilation. I'm claustrophobic. I'm freaking out for three days and three nights. But this fish, miraculously, according to God's control, I don't know if there was central air and heat inside of this fish, but God did something to use this fish and preserve Jonah so that Jonah's life would be preserved because the original audience, the readers would have understood in this story, humans don't normally survive in fish's bellies for three days. But Jonah survives. See, this fish was the means by which Jonah was delivered from death and drowning. Jonah thought he was going to die. He tells the sailors earlier, man, just throw me overboard. That's how the storm is going to stop. Throw me overboard. I'm willing to die so that you won't die. Imagine he hits the water and he's just going down, 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 down. But look at what he said in verses 2 and 3 of chapter 2. He says, I called to the Lord in my distress and he answered me. I cried out for help from deep inside. She, oh, you heard my voice. When you threw me into the depths, into the heart of the seas, and the current overcame me, all your breakers and your billows swept over me. As soon as Jonah was hurled into the water, he begins to pray. He calls out to God in prayer. What is amazing, he says, as I'm going down to Sheol, now in the Jewish mind, Sheol was that deep place of the earth, the underworld with bars around it, where if you go there, you don't escape. Jonah is saying, I'm on my way there. And while he's on his way there, he calls out to God in prayer and God saved him. For he says in verses 7 to 9, he says, as my life was fading away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you, to your holy temple. Those who cherish worthless idols abandon their faithful love. But as for me, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. I will fulfill what I have vowed. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Friends, being thankful is a part of who we are as believers. Being thankful. Offering thanks to God. Again, Jonah is in a situation where he thought he was going to die and he still gives thanks. Being thankful is worship. We do this individually and collectively. I just want to ask you, do you separate your times when you think like, oh, when things are good, that's when you give thanks? I'm guilty. When things are good, I want to give thanks. But when they are hard, when life is squeezing me, it's hard for me to lift my eyes above the pain and to see that I have reasons to give thanks. This is why I use my tool of every day celebrating five things because I can easily just get tunnel vision and focus on the problem. I don't know if anybody had tunnel vision like Jonah, but Jonah is looking at number the, a murky, some murky water and it's deep and dark and he's going down. But even in the midst of that, he says, his, his eyes are lifted up and he calls out to God in his distress. That begs this question, where do you go when life gets hard? Who do you turn to? What do you turn to when life gets hard? See, Jonah knew that he would not have survived without God's mercy. 
This is also true for us. Do you and I realize that it's only by his mercies that we are standing and sitting here today? It's only by his mercies? You and I did nothing so good yesterday that would make God say, you know what? Yeah, Russell killed it yesterday, and because he killed it, I'm going to let him have another day. Is that true? It's all by his mercy. As a matter of fact, one of the things I love, if you read the book of Lamentations, and Lamentations is a very heavy and dark book, but right in the middle of Lamentations, the writer says, this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. <laughs> Your steadfast love never ceases. Your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Every day that we open our eyes, we should shout, God, thank you. But we think that too weird. Why do I want to be loud? I don't want people to hear me. It's just me and my faith. It's just me and Jesus. No. I think it is appropriate, however you do it, but it's appropriate for us, audibly, mentally, whatever it is, for us to give thanks because of his mercy. This is a reason for us to rejoice. So in this book, Jonah keeps going down. He goes down from Israel, goes down to Joppa. He gets on the ship and he goes down into the midst of the ship. He is thrown overboard of the ship and he is going down into the sea towards Sheol, and then we have an all-important contrast. Jonah says, then you raised my life from the pit, Lord my God. Jonah was rescued from the dead. His downward journey was dramatically reversed. Most of us in here, if not all of us, have has used a calculator before. The older we are, the calculators was just basic, but then we may have been able to touch those calculators that were, that were more electronic. And what's wonderful about these calculators is that if you're putting in some numbers, and, and I know I got some people in here that your math is way better than mine, but you know, using these calculators, you're putting in some numbers, and you, you mess up with these type of calculators, all is not lost. You don't have to freak out because the problem can be unraveled by pressing a button on the calculator that says clear. Just pressing the button. You can start over. Because then those calculations can be restarted. Some people are in situations that they can't unravel. They can't fix. Their lives are so twisted Life has turned for them that they can't figure it out. They are too confused. As a matter of fact, sometimes they may be in the situation they're in because of their own doing, their own disobedience, but God is ready and willing to press clear in your life if you just turn to him. He's ready to abundantly pardon. You see, God forgave Jonah and rescued him. See, we celebrate what God did in rescuing Jonah, but there are two truths about Jonah that we need to focus on. Number one, he truly gave thanks to God because he was not dead. I don't know about y'all, but I praise God 
Now, I wouldn't have, sidebar, I don't know, Paul would have scared me. Because Paul was a dude that would just stay with you. Like, he's walking, he's like, said, man, you know, to live is Christ and to die is game. Man, I'm ready to die. You good, uh, bro? I'm, I'm, I'm going on business, right? But he, he was that dude because he, he saw death as the portal to be with Jesus, right? And now we also should think that way, but we also should celebrate the fact that we're alive. Jonah gave thanks to God because he was not dead. And he did not wait until he reached dry land to give thanks. See, a lot of us, we wait to give thanks once things get better. Jonah didn't wait. He's in a whole fish's stomach. And he gives thanks. But there is something else about Jonah. Jonah does not repent. He doesn't repent. See, rebellion is still in his heart. How do we know? Just wait till next week. <laughs> rebellion is still there. He views the Ninevites as people that does not deserve God's forgiveness. God's pardon. Jonah is struggling with his heart. And the fact that God is willing to be kind to the Ninevites. Friends, maybe you have doubts and concerns. And those doubts have not been fully resolved. Maybe you are angry with God over something that you have not gotten a clear answer about. And you can't bring yourself to side with God in what he is trying to do. Yes, you think him, but you're still angry. Anybody got that kind of stuff going on in your soul? Because we are both, there is some good in us and there is also something vile in us. You know, we are a mixed bag. Jonah offers thanks to God, but he's still upset. See, you still may disagree with God, but that disagreement with God should not stop you from praising him. <laughs> and you should not wait to praise him until things get better. One of the first sermons I heard as a believer that I still quote the title of this sermon because it amazes me. This preacher said, preaching from the book of Job, he said, until the next door opens, I will praise him in the hallway. I don't need the next door, the open door, the door with the light to open. But the fact that God is God, even while I'm in this tunnel, this dark place, I'm still going to praise him. Jonah offers praise to God, but he still has protest in his heart. He protests, but he cannot run. He can't run. God done snuffed him out. So Jonah give th gives thanks to God, and God responded by now, notice it, commanding the, the fish to vomit Jonah out onto dry land. I wonder what that scene was like. I, I just wonder, right? You, we draw all kind of drawings and pictures, and like it, uh, Jonah came out of the hole in the back of the head or whatever. I don't know what happened. But God commanded this fish, and the fish obeyed, and God now calls Jonah on mission. But here's the last thing I want us to look at, the sign of Jonah. Hmm. See, the sign of Jonah is an expression not used by Jonah, but by Jesus. 
The text says in Matthew chapter 12, starting in verse 31, it says, He answered them, An evil and adulterous generation demands a sign, Jesus speaking, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was in the belly of the huge fish three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. The men of Nineveh will stand about the judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repented at Jonah's preaching. And look, something greater than Jonah is here. Jesus connects what he will go through with what Jonah went through. See, the wonder of this sign is that a place that ought to be a place of death became a place of deliverance for both Jonah and Jesus. Jesus was in the tomb three days, and he said it. He's in this borrowed tomb for three days and three nights, just as Jonah was in the fish three days and three nights. What does this mean? No place or experience is devoid of God's presence. So God said through the prophet Amos in Amos chapter 9 verse 2, he, he says, if they dig down to Sheol, from there my hand will take them. So if you're going to go way down to the depths and God going to snatch you up, how are you going to run from it? Then he says, if they climb up to heaven, from there I will bring them down. The theologian and preacher A.W. Tozer says it this way. He says, God is everywhere here close to everything, next to everyone. So the place of death, the belly of the fish and the tomb became for Jonah and for us places of deliverance. When Jesus points to the sign of Jonah as a sign of his own work, it includes a recognition that God is at work to save He's at work to save, even wanting to save those who are fleeing from him. Jonah is a captive of the fish, but the fish is good news. So we got to see the fish is good news. Jesus is in the tomb, but we celebrate coming up that this tomb is good news. Jonah was grateful for being taken captive by the fish. Likewise, as horrific as it was, we should be grateful that Jesus did not leave the cross and went to the tomb. This is why we celebrate what we call Easter. We celebrate this. Because of this, we always have reason to give thanks. When I travel, you get in these different airports, and some of these airports are unfamiliar to me. And so what do I do? I don't try to just figure it out. I'm going to find an attendant. Ma'am, sir, could you point me in the direction that I need to, to go so that I can make it to my destination? Likewise, for us as Christians— we should be able to point the lost in the direction of the gate that would lead them to the Savior. The gate 
is the cross. Why? Because Jesus died for us. I would ask all of us, when was the last time you pointed anyone to Jesus? Not generically, but for those who are far from him, calling them to repent of their sins and trust in the Lord Jesus. When was the last time we've, did, we've done that? We do this because he was raised from the dead. Y'all, we have a message that the world needs. We have the message. But instead of us being conduits, we end up being bottlenecks. We get this information and it just stays with us. There's no outlet. Or to say it better, we're like the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is the way it is because water comes into it, but there's no release. And so all the salt and sediment just sits in this sea, which makes this water just hard. We're not called to be like the Dead Sea. We're called to be like a conduit. Water comes in, but it also goes out. We do this because we have trusted and believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, and he has saved us. Are there people that your heart breaks for who are lost? Are there? Maybe it's family. Maybe it's your next door neighbor. Maybe it's friends. Maybe it's co-workers. Maybe it's people you don't even know. But the Lord has broken your heart and you would love to see them saved. See, we don't proclaim Jonah and what he went through. Even though he went through a lot, we proclaim Jesus. Because it's through Jesus that we are saved. But what does Jesus' death mean for us? Does it mean that we're only forgiven? Or as I remember hearing from some people in my hometown that only thought salvation was about them. Oh, I got my fire insurance. Is that the only thing that our faith is about? Just being forgiven? No. There are also ethical implications for us being in the faith. What are those ethical implications? We're not to live according to the flesh, Paul would say, but according to the spirit. There is a way that we should live. So we are called to love one another. We are to bear one another's burdens. We are to forgive one another. All of these one another's, all of the letters that Paul wrote, he's writing and saying, because you are now in the faith, this is how you live. And it's all because the sign of Jonah. It's all because Jesus went to the cross and died for us and was buried in that tomb. But the good thing about the tomb, the, the, Jesus was raised by God. Jonah was ejected by a fish, not dead. Jesus now is seating at, seated, seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you and I. And I can only imagine by his spirit, he's encouraging us. Come on, Russell, you have an opportunity today. He rigs my life, putting me in situations with people I don't know. Will you make much of me today, Russell? But if I'm only inward looking, I only see that my day needs to go a certain way, and I'm not concerned about those on the outside of me, and maybe the person that came across my path died without knowing the Lord Jesus. Again, I'm not trying to guilt anyone here. But my hope 
is that the beauty of the gospel would not just fall on deaf ears, that it would move you and I to action. Jonah was called to do something. God said to Jonah, go to Nineveh. Their wickedness has come up before me. I'm using you as my instrument. Friends, God is using us as his instrument here in the earth to be salt and light to those who are lost. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful for the stories that you give us in the text. Thankful that you would use a fish to rescue Jonah. We're also grateful that you would use a tomb, a borrowed tomb for the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's because of his death, burial, and resurrection that we are saved. So, Lord God, as we have just listened to, by your grace, a message from your word. Now we have an opportunity to physically see a representation of your gospel in the table. And so as we continue in worship, I pray that you will be glorified. I ask this in the name of Christ Jesus. Amen.